Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Hagiga has been dedicated in memory of Hacham Raful Muhaddeb Ben Garaz and Marie Muhaddeb Bat Jamile. Ruah Hashem Tanihem Began Eden Elion Amen. Dedicated by Dr. Isaac and Lily Mahadev Hashem Ishmirem Vehayem Amen. Daftek Zayin. Today's up is being studied the Anunishmat of Ram Ben Esther. Ruah Hashem Tanihela Began Eden Amen. Today's up is being studied the Anunishmat Amanoah Shanaftar Bechisuri Amen Vishanim Azra Ben Tunim Azal. Tinishmato Tsarurab Sola Hayim Amen. We begin today's up on Ted Vav Amud Sheni and we are. Two lines from the bottom. The Gemara continues to tell us the episode of the four rabbis that went up to the Fardes. So we discussed the fate of the previous three, Ben Zoma, Ben Azai, and Acher. Now we discuss the fate of Rabbi Akiva. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Akiva, Allah b'shalom, Yarad b'shalom. He went up in peace and he came down in peace. Moshcheni acharecha narusa. In the end of the Pasuk says, Heviani Hamelech Hadarav. The king brought me into his inner chambers. And even Rabbi Akiva, when he went up to the angels, wanted to literally push him, meaning they wanted to uh, kill him. Why? Because he used one of the Shemot of Akadosh Baruch Hu in order to elevate himself to this level of the Pardes and therefore they felt that you're not allowed to use the Shemot of HaKadosh Baruch Hu for this purpose leave this sage because he is worthy to use my honor he is, if anybody is Ra'u to use my Shem it is indeed Rabbi Akiva my Darash how did Rabbi Akiva know exactly where the Shekhinah was, so he would know not to gaze at it, or enter a room that was beyond his comprehension. How did he know? She says, How did he know where the Shekhinah was? So he would know not to gaze over there, like Ben Azai and Ahed and the others, where they went and they gazed at things that were beyond their comprehension. So how did Rabbi Akiva know exactly the spot? Where it's already forbidden for him to go, and he shouldn't gaze too much. So he was Doresh Pesukim. One Pasuk says, Kodesh. The word Ve'ata over here means Ot, a sign. Ve'ata. Ot hu There's a sign. Because he knew that in the Rebeva, where all the angels are, that's where the presence of the Shekhinah is. So there's a Siman. So therefore he knew the Siman. He knew there was a, uh, uh, there's a certain Siman. And therefore that he's above the Malachim. And therefore that caused him to know exactly that's where the Shekhinah was. So therefore he did not, uh, not go there. Rabbi Abu Amar Dagul Mirbaba. Mirbaba is the myriads of angels. Dugmahu Mirbaba Shelo. He's an example, we'll say Dugma. But really he's a uh, special. He stands out. He's a dogma. He stands out in his myriads of angels. Which means he didn't make the mistake that Tahir made, that Memtet is also a deity. He knew that Gulmir Baba. Borei Olam stands out 
Rashi says, Davar Heker HaOmed the Dugma. Mirbaba and his myriads of angels. But Shlakish Amar, Hashem Sivaot Shemo, Adon Hu Bisvashelo. That God, His name, He is the master in His Sivashelo army of angels. So all these Pesukim indicated to Rabbi Akiva exactly uh, where the Shekhinah was. Because based on the siman that he understood from these pasukim, and then he was able to be careful. But Rabbi Hayab and Rabbi Hanan, he based on the pasuk, Lo beruah Hashem says the wind came. That was the Navi. Says the wind came across. So the Navi writes, Lo beruah Hashem. That was not God. God was not manifesting Himself in the wind. And then like an earthquake came. Lo beraash Hashem. Ish. Then a fire came. Lo beish Hashem. Ish. Called the Mamadaka. There was a light, uh, silence, like slow, small, uh, quiet voice. That was already an indication that Hashem was passing. So there's different simanim when you know when you're in the presence of Hashem. Right? When he got to the place of called the Mamadaka, uh, the light voice, so he knew already he was indeed in that presence. There are three things that were said regarding demons. There are six things said regarding demons. Three demons are similar to angels, and in three ways they are similar to humans. In which way are demons similar to Malachasharet? Well, number one, they have wings like angels. They fly from one end of the world to the other end of the world. And if I should explain, even to the extreme places that normally people cannot travel to, extreme north, the extreme south, it's very cold in certain places. But they are tasked. And they know the future. Just like the angels. What do you mean? Do the, the angels know the future? No, they hear behind the curtain of God what's going to be with the future. They get the forecast. And therefore they know the future from hearing it from behind the curtain. And there's three ways that the malachat, that the shedim are similar to human beings. They eat and drink like human beings. They multiply like human beings. They have children. And they also die like human beings. The sport says they also sleep like human beings. And they also uh, go to the bathroom and uh, like human beings. There are six things that were said regarding human beings. Three things, they're like angels. And in three ways, they're like animals. They're given wisdom like angels. It's referring to the... Uh, potential... To show you how great the potential of human being is, that they have already dot understanding, like Malachi Asharit. They walk erect 
They stand straight like the angels, as opposed to an animal that walks on four. And they speak Lashon HaKodesh like the angels. The Mepharshim say that Lashon HaKodesh is just an example over here. There's a lot of human beings that don't speak Lashon HaKodesh. It means that they have the ability to speak. It means they have a language. As opposed to animals, they don't have a language. As we said, that the human beings, from a, as an uh, expression of the neshama that they have, that gives them the power of dibur. So therefore, they're like angels, and it's like the angels communicate, so human beings communicate as well with language. How does one explain that Lashon Kodesh means that just like the angels say kadosh, kadosh, kadosh every day, so to the human beings also recite kadosh, kadosh, kadosh on a daily basis. So the Lashon is Kodesh. Three ways human beings are like animals. They eat and drink like animals. And they have children like animals. And they relieve themselves. They uh, go to the bathroom, excrement like animals. Therefore, one has to elevate himself on these three levels from behemah level to a higher madrega. These are the. Uh, Animalistic side of a person. If he must not be drawn after his eating, must not be drawn after his lust, and uh, all the other pleasures of a human being. That's what the Gemara is telling it to us, to know exactly where he has to uh, and not get drawn after the animalistic side of a person. We said if anybody ponders four things, about the creation, so it was better off that he did not come to this world. So it says, So I understand when a person is going to start pounding what's above the heads of the malachim, what's below them, what's how uh, do we explain? is the future. What's going to happen in the future? The Hayyeh. I understand what the problem is with these things. Okay, a person uh, is not supposed to delve in these uh, uh, things over here. It's uh, beyond our comprehension. And therefore, we understand why a person should not ponder these things. However, in a lifnim, but lifnim is what happened, what happened before the creation. What happened, happened. What's the problem? Which means you're just studying uh, history, so to speak. What's, what's the matter with pondering malifnim? What happened before the creation? <coughs> so the Gemara says, Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Yohanan, Mashal lemelech basar badam, Sha'amad la'abadav, Benuli paltirin gedolin ala ashba. There was a certain garbage dump. So the king said, Go build me a wonderful palace, where this garbage dump is. So they went and they constructed it. It's not the will of the king now that the people should mention the ashpa, which means they should say, oh, you know who was here before this uh, great palace? There used to be a garbage dump. That's not kavod. In our understanding, we cannot fathom what happened before the world. So in our limited understanding, to us it's something that is... Negative kviyachot for us, and therefore when we talk about ma'idava, it's as if we're saying, "Oh, look what happened before this world. There was uh, there was uh, nothingness. There was 
uh, emptiness. Whatever we're going to say, so Kaviachol, in our understanding, it's not a it's a derogatory statement towards what was it, even though that's not true. But again, based on a limited comprehension, the masha would be it's like an ashpa that they built a, a, an armon on. Therefore, maida hava hava is not a good claim. You can't say, well, it was history. I'm just saying history. Yeah, but the history that you way you're saying it becomes a derision to Hazrat Shalom, the uh, the Creator. So therefore, you're not supposed to delve into maida hava hava. It's analogous to talking about the ashpa that was there before the palace was built. Comes the and says, Anybody that does not have uh, mercy on uh, the honor of his creator, it's better off that he didn't come to this world. Mai, well, what is that referring to? It's about somebody that looks at a rainbow. And we'll see why, what the problem is looking at a rainbow, meaning gazing at a rainbow. Let's talk about somebody that commits a sin in private. Well, he didn't come to this world. So, Mr. Kilbekeshit, what's the problem with Mr. Kilbekeshit? Because the Pasuk says, Kibarea Keshit, a Shriye Baanan, the Yoma Geshim, Kinbarea Noga Savivu. Mare Demut Kevo Dashim. Which means the Pasuk is saying that a rainbow has a manifestation of the Shekhinah. There's a certain aura in the rainbow, and therefore if somebody looks at it, it's as if he's looking at the Shekhinah itself. So that's like a brazen act, where a person just gazes at the Shekhinah. It means he's showing his lack of respect for the Divine Presence. So therefore, of course, when one wants to make the Barakah on the rainbow, the Allah said, you look at it quickly, and you make the Barakah. But with Tumba somebody is... Pondering it and gazing at it, mistakil. So therefore, that's a lack of respect. Somebody doesn't uh, stare, but he knows he's in the presence of Shekhinah. Rabbi Yosef Amar, Zeh Avera Baseted. Who's somebody that does not have uh, mercy on his Creator, and therefore is knowing not to come to the world? Similar commits an Avera Baseted, a sin in private. Anybody that commits a sin in private, it's like he's kicking away the regle shekhinah. It's as if he's saying, the shekhinah is not here, no one sees me. So as if he's kicking the shekhinah out from Maria Shine'emar, Ko'amar Hashem, Hashamayim Kis'iva Aris Hadom Raglai. So to speak, God's Raglayim, so to speak, his legs, where are they? In this world, Hashemayim Kizi, God sitting in this Kizi Kavod, Vaaris Adom Raglai. So you do Hek Raglai Shechina. It's like you're getting rid of the Raglai Shechina by sitting in private. Ini, we have a contradiction. Vaamar Vilazakin, Imroe Adam Shiitzromit Kaber Alav. If a person sees that his Yitzrah is overcoming him, he cannot control himself. Yerech Lemakom Shema Kirimoto. He should go to a place where they don't know him. Vilbash Shechon, he's going to put on black. Let him uh, cover himself in black. And let him do what his heart desires. So that she says, Why we tell the guy if he has a big yitzrah to do a sin, go to a place where they don't know him. So she says, In a place where he's not well known, he doesn't have too much gava. They don't know him. So maybe it'll cause him yitzrah to become weakened. No, he's in a place where they don't know him. It humbles him. Even if he ends up sinning, 
אין אדם נותן לבון, nobody's going to know him, לפי שאין חשוב בעיניהם. וכן בלבוש שחורים. And the same thing about wearing the black clothes, it's supposed to subjugate him a little, to get him more serious. But even if he sins, at least he won't make a חילול השם. So here you see what? You just told me that a person commits a sin בסתר, ראוש לו בא לעולם. And here of Elaz saying, אדרבה, person, if he has to commit a sin, let him go בסתר. Let me go in a private place where nobody sees him and commit the sin. So uh, make up your mind. Is it uh, or is it uh, a piece of advice? So Kabbalah Gimaran says, Lankasha. Depends. If he can't control his Yetzirah, which means the Yetzirah is overpowering him, then let him go to a private place. And we understand that the reason why he's going to a private place is not because he's pushing away the Shekhinah, it's because he can't control himself. Look, Haifli Yisrael, he cannot control his Yetzir. But in a place where he's Haifli Yisrael, we can control his Yetzir. So now, why are you going to a private place then? So the only reason why he's going into a private place is because he doesn't want people to see him. Ah, but Shekhinah is there. So therefore, that's an indication that you're kicking away the Shekhinah. Which means, if two guys doing a sin in a private place, Besetir. So we have to explain, why is he going Besetir? If lo chayifli yitzri, he cannot control his yitzra, so we explain uh, the reason why he's uh, doing it in Besetir. He can't control his yitzra, so he doesn't want to make a halud Hashem. So he'd rather opt to do it besit instead of doing it before his yah. Okay, so we can understand what he's doing. But if he's chayifli, if he's able to control his yitzit, the guy's not being overpowered. So stop, why are you going to besit to do a sin then? And I must be going besit because you figure over here, God can't see me. That already is a ra'u'i no shroba le'olam. Right? And she says, the matzi chayifli yitzit, obotea asu nechba besit kilu dohek halag la'ayim. He goes into privacy to kick away the... Abiru Halalayla has an interesting way of explaining this Gemara when it says, It doesn't mean go to a place and do what your heart desires, meaning do the sin. Gemara says, We're not Don't just make the sin. So he wants to learn, in truth, every Jew, his true will is to do the will of God. What his heart really wants. So the Gemara is just saying, Put on black clothes, go to a place, and now that'll give you the ability. He can do what he really wants to. It'll cause him to overcome his Yetzirah. But again, Tosfot says, Our Gemara is not mashma like the Shitab and the Hananel. Our Gemara is mashma, he's going to the place and he's committing the sin. That's the whole thing. This is besetir, but it has a justification. But anyway, that's the shita of Rabbi Nochanan. The Rash Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Nachmani, Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Nachmani, Meturgemined Rishlakish, the Meturgeman of Rishlakish. Kol Amistakil Begimah Devarim Enav Kehot. Anybody looks at four, uh, three things, his eyes become, his eyes become weakened. Bekeshet Ubenasi Ubekohanim. Looks at a rainbow. Well, the Nasi of Klai Yisrael, it's uh, like the uh, great rabbi, it's not a political position. We said that the Keshet has a uh, presence of the Shekhinah. So therefore when one gazes at the Shekhinah, it causes the eyes to become 
weakened. That the splendor of God is on the Nasi, and therefore again, it's the same concept. And Mr. Kil, the Kohanim, is much when the Kayam, the Summa, when the Betel Gash was around, Shayu, Omdim, Adukhanam, they would stand on the Dukhan, Uvarchim, it is said, Beshimim, Forash. They would use the explicit name of the Kadosh Baruch to bless Ben Israel, and the Shekhinah would rest on their fingers. They, if anybody would look, so they really engaged in the Shekhinah, so that would cause Hasbash Shalom, their eyes, to become blinded. Is it clawing now? So Tosafot, Tosafot says in the Buddhavatib is Mekoanim is much better Shkayam. Mikan Kasha Pirush Rashi de Perigima de Megillah. Alaid de Tanya Dabbo Kaniot Lo Yasakapav. Said somebody has, let's say, a discoloration or a disformation of his hands. Upirush Meshum Sham is Taklimbo. Right? We don't want him to make Koanim because the people are going to look at him. And with Ashi says, so what's the problem if they look at the Kohanim? Vamrina Bahagiga, Mr. Kibbe Kohanim, which Ashrosim Kapeh, and Afkehot. So Ashi said over there in Megillah, because if you look at the Kohanim, his eyes are going to become dim. Mm-hmm. But what are, you, what are you talking about? This Kibbe says only as much with the Raskayam. doesn't apply uh, at all times. Valet, the Maskin, and Dafkim was much with the Raskayam. Viduat, the Big Bodim. And over there we're talking about even outside the Beta Magdash. So the issue over there in the second degree is not because of Shekinah. The issue over there is because it's going to take your mind off the Barakah. When a person is receiving the Barakah, he has to concentrate. Therefore, if a guy's hands are book and yacht, and that guy's going to look at him, so he's going to be now an eye uh, uh, catching the eye of people, and therefore the guy's not going to pay uh, close attention. Right? So that's a different... Uh, okay, so therefore he argues on Nashi. Nashi over there learned in Yam was Shekhinah. So remember the Shekhinah, there's no Shekhinah in the Givudim. It was only the Bismarck of the Shekhinah. So therefore, Tosfor wants to say the issue over there was, so a person does not lose his concentration. So it still applies today, but for a different reason. Darash of Yehudah, Rabbi Nachmanim, Turgimadid, Rishlakish, Maidakhtiv, Al Pasuk. If the Yetzra tells you, Hato, sin, don't believe him. The, the Raya has a gra. That's the Yetzra. Don't believe him. What is Yetzra going to tell you? Don't worry, make a sin, and God will forgive you. Which means you can trust the Aluf. Aluf is God, the one. So the one God. Don't worry, he'll, uh, he'll let you off. So he says, Al ta'aminu Don't trust the Yitzhara that will tell you sin and God will forgive you. Meaning, Al ba'aluf. Don't trust him when he tells you that the aluf is going to let you off. It's not so. So he says, Al ta'aminu bereyah ve'en reyah ila Yitzhara. Shneemar ki Yitzhara leva adam ra. So that's another way of calling Yitzhara. Ve'en aluf ila kadosh baruchu shneemar aluf neorai. At, uh, well, don't listen to the Yitzhara and don't trust him that he's going to forgive you, God. He's not going to forgive you. If a person sins with the intention to be forgiven, he's not forgiven. So guy's going to argue and say, well, who's testifying? Nobody, nobody sees what I'm doing. The walls, the stones of a person's house, and his beams, they are going to testify against him. 
because the stone from the wall is going to scream, Echapis is the piece of wood from the uh, from the beam of the house is going to uh, is going to answer. The actual neshama of a person is going to testify against him. The one that is resting in your bosom. Who's that? The neshama. Watch what comes out of your mouth. Because the Meshachevet Hakeka, the one that's resting in your bosom, is going to repeat everything. It's like a recorder. It's like a video. Therefore, the Neshama is going to play back everything. What is this item that Shachevet Behakoshil Adam? That's referred to the Neshama. The two angels, guardian angels, that escort a person every day. They're going to testify against him. That just proves that the angels that are being commanded, dispatched, to watch a person. So a person has automatic two witnesses following all day long. So the two angels that are walking with him are going to testify against him in Shavayim, what he did. Uh, the limbs of a person are going to testify, which means the limb itself that committed the sin, that's going to be the witness against the person. She says, She's every sin that's committed, the limb is going to come in front of Allah Baruch Hu and say, yes, it's true, I did commit such and such sins. So therefore there's many different opinions, exactly who's going to be the uh, incriminating witness against man. But the basic principle is, nobody should think, uh, who's seeing me, who's going to testify? There's witnesses that are able to come and testify. Now we discuss the new Mishnah. Our Mishnah actually records a historical machloket between the Hakamim. Rashi points out to us that this was the first machloket in Klal Yisrael. Which means there was a certain time where there was the first Mahlokan. Before that, everything was given from Matan Torah. Everything was given uh, clear. There was no arguments. But this was the first debate that the Hakimim had. And then over time, as the Torah became uh, forgotten, more Mahlokot started to uh, become uh, uh, commonplace in Klai Yisrael. So the first Mahlokan regarded the law of Semicha on Yom Tov. Which means we know that a person brings an animal on Yom Tov, so we know the law says a person has to make semichah. Semichah is one presses his hands on the head of the animal. So there's a great machlokrovi if you're allowed to make semichah on Yom Tov or not. Not if semichah is necessary. Now everybody agrees you have to make semichah on an animal. The machlokr is over here. Can you do it on Yom Tov? And we'll see the reason is because it's a rabbinical enactment. Gezerah because you're using an animal. We don't want a person to use an animal, because when you're pressing on the animal's head, you're leaning your whole body against it. So they don't want you to use the animal, a gezerah, that you might come to uh, ride the uh, animal, and uh, that's also a form of using the animal. And therefore they forbade any usage of animals, gezerah, my person might pull off a uh, branch from a tree and start to use it as a, uh, a whip. So therefore any usage of an animal... Is forbidden. That's a machlokat, but one rabbi says, Muta, we didn't make a gizra. One says, Asur. So now we're going to start reading the history of the different pairs of rabbis 
that had their opinion on this subject. Yosef ben Yo'ezer Omer Shalom Lismuch. Yosef ben Yohanan Omer Lismuch. That's the first pair of rabbis. The Kabbalah is going to say in all these pairs, the first rabbi is the Nasi and the second rabbi is Abbedin. Okay, so Yosef ben Yo'ezer would be the Nasi of Kala Yisrael, and Yosef ben Yohanan would be the Abbedin. Next pair of rabbis. Yoshua ben Pedachia Omer Shalom Lismuch. He's the Nasi. Nitaya Arbedi Omer Lismuch. Okay, that's argument number two. Next generation, Yehuda ben Tamai Omer Shelo Lismoch. There's a controversy who Yehuda ben Tamai was. Was he the Nasi or the Abedin? Wait for the Gemara. Shimon ben Chatach Omer Lismoch. Okay, so that's the third generation Machloket. Fourth generation Machloket. Shemayai Omer Lismoch. Oh, no, Shemayai over here in this case said, Make Semicha. Abtalion Omer Shelo Lismoch. Hillel and Menachem, that was the next generation of rabbis, the fifth generation, it was Hillel and Menachem, no argument. Yatsam Menachem, Menachem went out, we'll see where he went out to. Nichnas Shammai, Shammai came into Menachem's place, now he became the counterpart of Hillel. Shammai Omer, Shalom Lismoch. Shammai says, no Semicha, Hillel Omer, Lismoch. And Hillel said, Sumech. Okay, so that's basically the five generations of rabbis that argued the Yudu Semicha. So the Mishnah gives you the cloud. The first rabbis mentioned in these pairs, they were Nisi'im, they were the Nasi, and the second one to them was considered the Abedin. Look at the Tosafot on the Amud Rishon. Yosef ben Yo'ezer, he just gives us the history, Birushal mi Amar, Barishona lo ayam machloket ela ala semicha belvad. That was the only machloket in Klaisel, on this subject of semicha. Ve'amdu shamay ve'lel, ve'asu arba'ad. And shamay ve'lel, they made from one machloket, turned into four machlokot. However, Mishirabu, Tamideh shamay ve'lel, Shiloshim sukos rukam, when the students of Elil and Shamay became, uh, you know, multiplied, there was a lot of students, and they did not have... Uh, a tradition as uh, good as they should have had. Those who should Surkan, Rabu Machloket Israel. Then when the Machloket started to become more popular in Kla Israel, the Nechleku the Bet Kitot. And then already there was two different uh, groups, Bet Shemai, Bet Tana. That's when really the Machloket started to take up. So this is before Bet Shemai Bet This is still in the early Tanaim we're talking. Uh, that uh, this uh, Machloket was just the Machloket of Simicha. Now, look at the bottom Tosfot. Well, actually, let's read a little of the Gemara, and then we'll go back to this bottom Tosfot. Tarun Banan. Shilosham Mizugot Rishonim. Three rabbis from the first pairs. Sha'amlu Shilolismoch. That said Shilolismoch. Ushnaim Mizugot Aharonim. And two rabbis from the last two pairs, Sha'amru Lismoch, that said to make Semicha, Hayu Nisi'im. Ushnaim Lahem Avot Beddin. So let's go. The first three rabbis in these generations that said Shilolismoch were Nisi'im. Well, let's go back to Mishnah. Yosef and Yo'ezer said Lolismoch. He's a Nasi. Next generation. Yeshua ben Perahiyah said Shilolismoch. He's a Nasi. Yehuda ben Tamai. Third generation. He said Shilolismoch. He's a Nasi. So the first three rabbis that said Shalom Lismoch are Nisi'im. Then the Gibraltar and the second two rabbis that said Lismoch are also Nisi'im. Let's go. Shema'ya Omer Lismoch. Okay, he's also a Nasi. Shema'ya. 
And then you have, uh, actually, Hillel. So Hillel is a Nasi. Okay, so the three rabbis, Nasi'im said, Lo Lismoch, and then two rabbis, Nasi'im said, Lismoch. Three and two. On Nasi'im. The interesting Hadush over is, that should be noted, that all of the rabbis follow a certain pattern. The first one is the Nasi, and the second one is the except when it comes to Hillel, even though he's written second, the Shammai Omel, Shalom Lismoch, Hillel Omel Lismoch, Hillel's actually the Nasi. You see the pattern of the Mishnah was the first rabbi in all the groups was Nasi, second rabbi was Abedin. Here when it comes to Hillel, Hillel is written second after Shammai, but indeed he is a Nasi. So Tosafot is bothered with this question. Look at the bottom Tosafot. The Al-Tama, don't be shocked why the Mishnah put Hillel after Shammai. Everybody agrees Hillel was a Nasi. The first three groups, right? The first rabbis of the group said Shalom Lismoch. They were Nasi'im. And Shammai also hold Shalom Lismoch. That was Shammai's opinion. Nakat Barishona. So therefore, it wanted to keep the pattern of the beginning of the Mishnah. By the beginning of the Mishnah, the first rabbis were the Shalom Lismoch rabbis. So it kept Shammai also a first rabbi to say, Shalom Lismoch. And once already this Mishnah put Shammai first always in Shas. Whenever we have a Mahlok, they always put Shammai first. So here's the... Here's the source why he comes first. Mm-hmm. And here we're not worried we're going to make a mistake to think that Shammai was the Nasi. Because originally it said Hillel u Menachem. Hillel originally was first. And then it said Menachem left and Shammai took his place. So we know already from the construction of the Mishnah that Shammai is really second. Because it says Hillel u Menachem. Already it says Hillel was first. Menachem left, Shammai came in his place. So I know Shammai already is second. So when the Mishnah says, Shammai Omer, Hillel Omer, I know Shammai really is not the Nasi. So therefore, we're not worried about a mistake in thinking Shammai is the Nasi based on the <coughs> language of the Mishnah. Very good. <coughs> Comes the... Let's start again from the Tarah Rabbanan. Tarah Rabbanan, Shilosham, Zogot Rishonim. Three rabbis of the first three pairs. The first rabbis. She'amu Shilolismoch. Who are they? Yosef ben... Yo'ezer. Yoshua ben Perachia. And Yehuda ben Tabai. Those three rabbis were all Nisi'im that said Shilolismoch. And two rabbis of the last two pairs that said Lismoch... They were indeed Nisi'im. Who were they? Shema'ya and Hillel. Okay? Ushtayim mizukot ahronim shavim l'smok, hayu Nisi'im. Ushtayim lahem, ushtayim lahem, abed betin. And the secondary rabbis, to them were abed betin. Devered bi meir. Vachamim omrim. Here we say no. Yehuda ben Tabai av betin, v'shivon ben Shatah nasi. Oh. Says when it gets to that third pair, Yehuda bin Tabai, no, he's listed first. You have to know he was Abedin. And Shimon bin Shatah was really the Nasi. <coughs> so the Gibras Mantana Leah. 
Who's the opinion of the following Brayta, the Tarot Rabbanan? This Brayta actually finds itself in Masechet Makot. <coughs> Let's just go give some halachot here, outsides, in order to can understand this story very, very clearly. There's a law of Aydim Zomimim. What is the law of Aydim Zomimim? Two witnesses come along and say, this fellow over here murdered. Two other witnesses come along and say, what do you mean? How could you say you, he murdered on in such and such a place, on such and such a day? You were with us on that day. You can't testify. So we believe the second set of witnesses. Now the first witnesses now get a punishment what they tried to do to the victim. They were trying to kill an innocent man. So it says, Good. That's not a copy. The Tzidukim had a corrupt interpretation over here. They came along and said, the only time you kill Adim Zumimim is when they actually killed an innocent man. Which means, they had to go kill the guy, and now other witnesses came along and said, what do you mean, you're with us? But if the guy's still alive, there's no deal of Adim Zumimim. Now the rabbis, whenever they got a chance to show the Tzidukim up, to show that they're wrong, they took advantage of it. <clears throat> Here we're going to read a story where Yehuda ben Tabai thought he showed up the Tzidukim in a certain case by killing witnesses when the victim was still alive to show the Tzidukim were wrong. Because when the victim is still alive, the witnesses don't get killed. So the Yudab ben Tabai said, come into the Bitmah and say, you know, something, I did something great today. I showed up those Tzidukim over there. We had a case in court. Witnesses came in. They said that the guys are Otsayah. They didn't kill the Rotsayah yet. <coughs> and we killed the uh, witness. Shabbat bin Shattah is going to tell him, if that's what you did, you killed an innocent person. Why? Because Yudab bin Tabai, in his zeal to show up to Tzidukim, forgot another halakha that says, you don't kill Adim Zomimim until both of them become Zomimim. Both witnesses have to become Zomimim. In this case over here, Yudab bin Tabai, only one out of the two became Zomim. They were only able to prove that one of the two witnesses was in a different place. So it came out, Shimon B'chattah is going to tell him, you killed an innocent person. The person was not Hayaf. You made a mistake in the Halakha. Now let's see this story and we'll see exactly where it takes us. is a way of making a swear. It's actually Saginahor, it's a... It's the opposite. I should not be consoled. Meaning either I should not be consoled when they rebuild your Jerusalem. Meaning it's a way of being very confident of what you're saying. Meaning I'm so sure of what I did that if I'm wrong, I shouldn't be consoled with the rebuilding of Jerusalem. <clears throat> In order to, to take away from the opinion of the Tzedukim, because the Adim the, the Tzidukim say that you don't kill the Adim Zomimim until when? <clears throat> until the actual victim is killed. But we don't hold like that. We hold the Pasus is Ba'asitim lo kashir zamam nasot la'achiv. Ba'are achiv kayam. Achiv means the brother. His brother is still alive. We just hold it has to be Efta Gemardin. Which is you can only kill Adim Zomimim so long as the Betin made a final ruling. I mean, Betin was posik hayab mita. Now already Adim Zumim are going to be Hayav. But if the Adim Zumim get caught before the Betin gives a final ruling, they're not Hayav. Mm-hmm. So we also have to have a certain finality to it. But the finality is that they killed them, that they just 
הוא פוסק, חייב מיתה. In any event, אמר לא שמו מצטח, שמו מצטח תלזה מאבן החמה, I shouldn't see the redemption of Zion, the consolation of Zion. אם לא שפכת אדם נקי, if you didn't kill an innocent person, you spilt innocent blood here. שערי אמרו חכמים, אין עדים זומים נהרגים עד שיזומו שניהם. You don't kill the witnesses until both of them become זוממים. ואין לוקים עד שיזומו שניהם. No, could you give them lashes unless both of them became זוממים. In the case, let's say they were trying to give lashes to their friend. ואין משלמים ממון. No, do you make them pay monetary payments if they try to obligate their friend money עד שיזומו שניהם. Therefore, Yehuda ben Tabai killed an innocent man. Tosafot questions over here. What do you mean? I thought Gemara says in Gitin that the animals of the rabbis did not make sin. So Akot Shekin, the rabbis themselves, how can they come to sin? The animals of the Achamim were uh, saved from sin. How could we accept that the rabbis over here uh, murdered somebody? Tosafot is a very important klal. Tosafot says we only say that klal when it comes to eating something that's asur. We cannot accept that our hachamim would ever ingest something that is not kashir. That's when the Gemara uses that language. What? Impossible. One of the Gemara says, one of the rabbis ate even in a high. The Gemara says, impossible. Can I accept? Because taref becomes part of your body. And therefore we cannot accept such a sin that becomes part of your body. That's beyond uh, acceptance. And therefore we cannot say our rabbis committed such a sin. Murder, bishogeg, we can accept. But to say that they ingested something that already is beyond, uh, beyond the acceptance. So therefore, Tosfot said we have no problem to accept such a thing. <coughs> In any event, it says over here, So at that moment, Yudab ben Tabai accepted upon himself, For now on, I'm not saying any halakhot in front of, only in front of Shimon Mitzatah. So he accepted upon himself to subjugate himself. No more am I going to say halakhot on myself. For now on, I'm going to confer and consult always with Shavuot Mitzatai. Really, he made a mistake. Now, Kol Yamav Shel Yudah Ben Tabai, I'm Mishtatei Akevrosh Shel Otoharug. All his life, when he was alive, Yudah Ben Tabai used to go to the cemetery and ask forgiveness to the one that he killed. Vayak Kolon Nishma, and his voice was being heard. The question is, whose voice? Kasmurina Am Lomar Shekolosh Shel Haruku. The people thought that it was the one that was killed. And every time Yudah ben Tabai went to visit him, he was moaning and groaning from the grave. So every time he went to the grave, they heard moaning from the cemetery. So everybody thought that the karug is agitated. That every time Yudah ben Tabai comes to visit him, so you hear the moaning from the grave. Yudah ben Tabai said, no, it's my voice. Meaning I'm supplicating and I'm praying and I'm crying. That voice you hear is mine. Tid'u. And Yudah ben Tabai said, I'll prove it to you that it's my voice. Lemahar humit. Says tomorrow he's going to die. I mean, he's referring to himself. He says tomorrow I'll die. Let's say, or when I die, the end kolon and you're not going to hear the voice anymore. So therefore, you'll know that all along it was really my voice that was crying uh, in the cemetery. <coughs> he says, listen, we don't suspect that David was lying, but if that's his proof, he has no proof. Why? Because I can tell you that maybe after Yudab ben Tabai died, you know why you don't hear the voice anymore? Because he went up to heaven and he was mefayesim, and he appeased him. And therefore in heaven he made a settlement with him. Or when he went up to Shamayim, the guy took him to court. 
And therefore, he's sending it in the Shabbayim. So therefore, he says, listen, we trust you with that Bittalet, he was the one that was crying, but if that's your proof, <laughs> that when you die tomorrow, and I can hear a voice, that's already no Raya. So Tosfot says, how can we bring a simple proof? When I'm not there, you don't hear the voice. Is it a coincidence you don't hear the voice when I'm there? Because he said, that's no proof. Because when you're there, you agitate the niftar. That's why he starts screaming. When you're not around, he's not agitated. So that's no proof when you're not there. Of course he's not going to scream when he's not there. When you get there, he's upset, so he starts to scream. So that's no proof. And that's why he told us, when I die, when I'm going to be next to him, in Shabbat, you're not going to hear anything. And you should hear something, right? So there's no proof. The reason I hear anything is because he has you in front of him. He can take you to court. He can, he can, he can, uh, you can appease him. In any event, we want to know who is the author of this Brayta. Now let's review the concept over here. After Yudab Mitzrayim made this fatal mistake, he accepted upon himself, I'm not going to say halachot anymore in front of Shimon and Chattah. So the Gemara says, Mani. Mani, who's the author of this? If you say it's a Bimi Yudabar Shimon and Chattah, Abedin, and a Yudab Mitzrayim, Nasi, that he learned that Rabbi Yudah was the Nasi, Ibn Tabai, that was the Bimi'il's opinion, that we learned above. Hainu dekam morel, lecham b'fnei shumam mishatah. That makes sense, this plight, because originally Yudah ben Tabai was saying halachot in front of shumam mishatah, because he was the Nasi, the Nasi is above the Betin, a Betin, and if we accept it upon himself, no more. Because really he was allowed to say halakot in front of Shimon ben Chattah. If you say Yudah ben Tabai was the Nasi, and Shimon ben Chattah was the Abedin, that means there was a time that Yehuda bin Tabai said halachot in front of Shimon Mishatta, and now we understand that he said no more. That means there was a time where he did. How can he do it? Eli was the Nasi. So good. So this bright that makes sense according to Shittah, it says Yehuda bin Tabai was the Nasi. Eli Yamat Rabbanan, if you're going to go according to the rabbi, the second opinion, the Amar. Yehuda bin Tabai Abedin, Shimon bin Shattah Nasi. But if you want to tell me what, Yehuda bin Tabai was always the Abedin. Abedin, if the Nasi, mi more halacha. Which means, how could you ever tell me that Yehuda bin Tabai ever was more halakhah before Shimon bin Shattah? That he accepted upon himself, no more am I going to say halakhot. You were never allowed to say halakhot in front of Shimon bin Shattah. Yeah. Understand the question? So the Gemara says, no, no, that's not the explanation. My kibel alav de ka'amar. What does it mean he accepted upon himself? Le'itzterufeh. To even join, we'll see what that means. That I'm not going to even join in, which means like this. Really, I'll tell you, he was the Abbiti. And when he made that halakha about the Ezomim, he wasn't in front of Shimon Ben Chattah. Shimon wasn't around. So therefore, he was allowed. The Abbiti can make a ruling on its own. He just can't make it when the Nasi is around. So therefore, he didn't break the rules. Oh, so what did he accept upon himself? No, I'm not going to say Allah in front of Shimon Ben Chattah. You're not allowed to say Allah in front of Shimon Ben Chattah. You're the Abbiti. So he says, no, I'm not going to even sit with him on Bed-Din and vote against him. Which means, when we're going to sit together, that's true fair, when we're going to sit together in court, if Shimon ben Chattah says Asur, I'm not going to go against him. Which is normally in a Bed-Din, every rabbi has a vote. Uh, you don't have to, the, the, the Abedin is allowed to have his opinion. He was coming on and saying, that's true fair, look at the Tosafot's language. Lintot rabim If we're on court, let, in a court, let's say, and I'm the deciding vote. I'm not going to vote against Shimon ben Shattah to put him in the minority. Well, that's what he accepted. Which means, for sure, to say halakot, he was never allowed to say halakot in front of him. He was, uh, the, 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 he's only the Abedin. I said, I didn't say the halakha of these Edomim. Shimon ben Shattah wasn't in front of him at the time. So then he was allowed to say the halakha. 
So would you, would you accept the part of Zayi? He says, now I'm not going to even be misarefed. Look at the way Tosfut Ashi says, Lishev Bedin, Ela Ba'adeh Shimon. Ashi learns a little different. I'm not going to sit in judgment unless Shimon Mishitah is there. Because until this point, Yehuda bin Tabayi is allowed to give judgment as long as it's not in front of the Nasi. At this point, he accepted upon himself, even though I'm allowed to give judgment, not in front of the Nasi, I'm not going to do it anymore either. I'm only going to say, Al-Akhot, if Shalom Shatah is there, if I make a mistake, I'll be able to correct me. So therefore, this bright that can even be going according to the opinion that says, Yehudah bin Tabayi was the Abedin. It doesn't only have to be going according to the opinion that says, Yehudah bin Tabayi was the Nasi. This bright can be going according to both opinions. Good? Kamsi Gabran says... <coughs> And one of the stories in the Mishnah was Menachem. He was a contemporary of Hillel. It says he left and Shammai took his place. So the Gibran says, Where did he go? He went out, he went off the path. Bad culture. He actually went to work for the king. He ended up working for the king Hordos at the time. As a young boy, the Mephashim said that Menachem had actually like a Ruach HaKodesh that prophesized uh, that uh, Hordos was going to become the king. And therefore, when Hordos became the king, he took uh, Menachem into service to work for him. So therefore, as someone has said, the Ben Ishaim said, there's no argument over here between Abayya and Rabbah. Tarbut that Abayya said, is another way of saying Hordos. He went out to Tarbut We call Hordos Tarbut bad culture, because he was a tough king. So therefore, Abayya just said, he went out to Tarbut So Rabbah says, you know what the Tarbut was? That he went to work for the king. So they're not arguing. He's just explaining what Abaye meant. He ended up having to become a tax collector. He ended up working for the king. And 80 pairs of rabbis went out with him. He took a lot of hachamim with him to go to do the service of the king. And they were dressed in their royal clothes. Sirkun, as she says, is the special royal uh, garments that are worn by the agents of the uh, king. So that's why Sminahim left. Once Sminahim left, who took his place? Shammai. So he was enlisted into the king's uh, service. Amar of Shammai, Rabbi Hanan. Rabbi Hanan made a statement. Don't treat the rabbinical laws lightly. Shavut is Yisud Rabbanan. So the way saying Shavut Rabbanan. Don't uh, treat them lightly. Listen, simicha, the whole subject of this mahluk in the Mishnah, do you make simicha, don't you make simicha, it's all a rabbinical subject. Correct? What's the suit? We don't want to use an animal, because you might ride the animal and pull off a thing, pull, 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 a, pull a twig off a tree. So it gives it out And you see, major mahlukit. You see, the rabbis made such a tumult over this halakha, so don't, uh, don't treat it lightly. So the Gemara says, Peshita. What do you mean? Uh, of course, you, I, I need the Yohanan to come and tell me what I have in Bifirush Mishnah. The Mishnah clearly tells me in Shabbat that we're not allowed to uh, ride an animal on uh, Shabbat and we're not allowed to climb up a tree on Shabbat. Which means it's a Bifirush Mishnah. What do I need the Yohanan to come and tell me? Hey, Shudra Baran is very serious. The Mishnah clearly in Masechet Shabbat tells me, Lo rochbim agabibihema, lo olin al-ilan, so the Mishnah is telling me it's serious. If the Mishnah is telling me these things are asur, what do I need to be Hanan support them? Hey, serious item. See, the rabbis argued on it. So the Gemara says, no. Shvut mitzvah is tarikhaleh. 
no, no. His Hadush is not regular Shavut. We know riding an animal and uh, climbing a tree. We know that's Asur. I, I don't need a Yohanat to tell me that. He's coming to air Hadushah. He's saying you should know even when the Shavut is on a Mitzvah, like Semicha. Here it's not just climbing a tree. Here we're discussing doing something that normally would be a mitzvah. Still you see how great it is. A shvut of a mitzvah. So the Gebrah says, This is also Pashut. That's what the Mishnah is saying. Doesn't the Mishnah say that these pairs of rabbis argued whether Simicha is permissible or not? So what is the Yohanan adding? You should know, sir. You should know Simicha, which is a mitzvah. Shvut of a mitzvah is very serious because the rabbis argued on it. Thank you. I have in the Mishnah. I know, I don't, what are you, you're reporting something that happened in the Mishnah? So it says, no, la Meman de Amar Bismicha Gufa Pedigi. Kamash Malan Pishfutu Pedipeligi. Which means in Masikat Betsa, we have a Mahloket. There's a Mahloket that says like this The Korbanot that you bring on the holiday, which is called Shalmeh Hova, the Korbanot that you bring, there's an opinion that says you don't have to make Simicha at all on them. Some say the Shalamim that you bring. Forget about Isud Rabbanan. Some say they're not subject to the laws of Simicha at all. The laws of Simicha were not said only except by Shalmei Nedava. Only by voluntary korbanot. But by mandatory korbanot, there's an opinion that says there's no Simicha Bechlal. Now you could have misinterpreted the way you read Amishnah. Because I could have read Amishnah like this. One rabbi says make Simicha, meaning this type of korban is obligated to make Simicha. And the other rabbi says, no, don't make simicha because you don't have to make simicha. <clears throat> but that's a, that's a misinterpretation of the Mishnah. Because they're not arguing on whether Shameh Everybody holds Shameh has to make simicha. The argument over here is if I'm going to make a rabbinical restriction against the simicha. So that's what the Yohanan's statement was. You should know, Shavut Mitzvah is very serious. Because the rabbis were arguing on Shavut Mitzvah. Uh, Peshita! No, it's not Peshita. Because without Rabbi Yohanan's statement, I might have thought that they were arguing on the Simicha itself. Is it mandatory? Because in Masikat Betzah, again, there's an opinion that says, mandatory Korbanot that you bring on the holiday, one opinion doesn't need Simicha. At all! From the Torah! So therefore, I can say that's what they're arguing on. Do you need Simicha? doesn't need Simicha. No, that's not the Mahloket. The Mahloket, everybody says, everybody holds Samir Chobah needs Simicha from the Torah. So what are they arguing on? The Bidiks. Do we make a Gezerah? Oh, don't make a gizra. So that's what Rabbi Yohanan said. Look how serious shvut is. And what type of shvut? Shvut the mitzvah. Gezerah the Rabbanan surrounding a mitzvah because the great rabbis argued. Pshita, it's a mishnah. No. It's not so pashut. Because without Rabbi Yohanan, I could have learned the mishnah differently. I could have learned that the mishnah's mahlokan and simicha, not simicha, is simicha gufa. It's on the obligation itself. Does Shameh need Simicha or not? Kamashullah, no, they're not arguing on that. Everybody holds, you need Simicha. So what's the Mahlokit? I'm going to make a Gezerah or not? Kavz Gebran says, Ama Rabbi Barhamash Ra'mina, can learn from this as well, Simicha Bechol Kohobainan. Now when a person makes Simicha, he has to press his hands with all his might on the animal. Bechol Kohob, with all his might. Okay? Because if you tell me you don't have to press your hands on the animal with all your might, my ka'avid, the shmoch, what's the issue? Make semicha. Which is, what's the gizrat rabbanan over here? They don't want to use an animal. How to use an animal? You lean on it. You're using the animal. 
But if you say simicha, you just put your hands on the animal like this, so without pressing it, you're not using the animal. So everybody should say it's permissible. From the fact that there's an opinion that says you can't make simicha, and it's a gezerah, it's a because you're using an animal from here. We learn another halakha, by the way. That simicha means you're pressing your hands on the head with all your might, and when you're leaning on it, it's considered using it. Good? So Kabbalah Gibran says, Meti, we have a question. It says in the Pasuk, speak to the Jewish people, and then it says the law of Simicha. So the Gemara says, Pasuk, Bnei Yisrael is the men. The men are obligated in Simicha, ladies are not obligated in Simicha. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Shimon, Omrim, Benot Yisrael, Sumchot, Rishut. Rabbi Shimon says this, and if the ladies want to make simicha voluntarily, they're not obligated, optional, they can. Amr Rabbi Yosef, Sahli Abba Al-Azhar, this is Abba Al-Azhar once told me, Pamachat Hayalanu Egel Zuzif Hishlamim. We have one time, a Kurban Egel of Zuzif Hishlamim, Kurban Shlamim. Vebeinu Da'azat Nashim. So we brought the animal to the ladies section in the Beit HaMikdash. Vesamchu Alav Nashim. And the ladies put their hands on the animal. Lo Mepneshu Simicha Ben Nashim. Now, don't think because the ladies are obligated to make uh, semicha, it's just to make them feel good. Let them feel that they're part of the mitzvah. It was their animal, Tosafot says. So therefore, they brought it to the ladies' section. Now, don't think they're obligated, but just to do it. So now, the Gibran has a question. Well, if you tell me that semicha means you have to press your hands on the animal with all your might, we know you're not allowed to use an animal that's designated for Kodashim. For example, can a person ride an animal that's designated for Kodashim? Of course not. Can a person take an animal for Kodashim and plow with it? Of course not. Now if you're telling me, Simicha means, with all your might. Good. Now this story doesn't make any sense. <coughs> to make the ladies feel good, to give them Nahatruwa, they may let them make Simicha. To make a lady feel good, you could let her now use the animal? Which means... You're defiling the animal. They're pressing on the animal with all their might. They're not obligated. But just to give them the hapro, I'm going to let them uh, use an animal? That, that, that's unacceptable. Right. Just to make them feel good, the hapro. So, the, so therefore the Gemara is assuming at this point, must be Simichas not Pechol Kochol. Must be, you have to say Simichas just, uh, you put your hands like this. So therefore it doesn't hurt anything. I let the ladies put their hands on the animal like this. It's not going to hurt anybody. So the Gemara says... Therefore, I'll tell you, you don't need kolkoho. And that's what they did to the ladies. Go put your hands on it uh, just uh, for the formality of it. And they, no harm to the animal. Therefore, shalom, I said, everything's good. Kabbalah says, no, le'olam, emalach, ba'inan, bechol Really, I'll tell you, no. Simicha means you got to press your hands on the animal. And that's why the Mishnah said it's Asur, according to some opinions, because it's a Shavut, because you're not allowed to use an animal on Yom Tov. It's like you can't ride it, you can't lean on it. Good. What did they tell the ladies? Float your hands. Meaning, put your hands lightly on the animal. When they went to the ladies section, don't think they told them make a regular Semicha. Normally, Semicha is Pichot uh, Koho. Okay, ladies, just put your hands on top of that symbolic. Exactly. Just float your hands lightly on top of the animal. So the Gemara says, If that's what they did, 
the language of the story was not because ladies are obligated in simicha. That's that's the wrong language. Just say because they didn't make simicha. You're justifying what they did. You're saying the reason why they brought it to them is not because ladies are obligated. Don't even say that. Just say the reason why they brought it to them is because they didn't do anything. They didn't make simicha. The language of because the ladies, uh, because not because ladies are obligated. You don't got to say ladies are obligated. Right? Even the ladies were obligated. This was not a semichah b'chlal. They didn't put their hands on the. Uh, which is, you, if if they pressed it with all their might, then already you have to answer. Not because they're obligated. But don't think that they're pressing their hands on because they're obligated. But if they didn't press their hands at all, you don't got to say not because they're obligated. You just say they brought it to the ladies. They did nothing. There's no semichah b'chlal. So the Gemara says you're right. Actually, the Gemara, when it related this story, was saying two things. First of all, you should know, they didn't make semicha at all. You're right. When they brought it to them, the ladies did not make semicha bichlal. Oh, so then you're going to say, so, if they didn't make semicha bichlal, what are you doing? Secondly, in order to give the ladies But don't think they did anything significant And therefore the language is There was no semicha here at all That's why it's worthless Also, if it's worthless, what are you bringing it to the ladies for? Just to make them feel good for the symbolism Okay, so, so the Maaseh comes out of this Gemara that really Semicha is Bechol Koho and really the reason why according to some of the rabbis is because of a Gezera Midrabanan because you're using the animal comes the Gemara and says one last point Amar Rav Papa Shma'minas Tadin Asurim Okay When we say you cannot use the animal the original law was you cannot ride on the back of the animal that was the law, riding the animal. That's, that's the original Isur. The Hindush over here is, that when they said not using, don't think only riding, riding is the actual animal itself. But even the sides of the animal are Asur to use. Why? Because how do you look at the head of the animal? Where do you make Simicha? On the head. The head is considered the sides of the animal. The back would be considered the, the top of the animal. And the sides, or the actual sides itself, and the head is considered stadin. So the Gemara wants to say, must be that in this gezerah of using an animal, the head is included. Why? Because they forbade semicha. From the fact they forbade semicha, which is considered stadin, so that must be that when the rabbis made the gezerah of using an animal, it includes stadin. So he says, because if you have that stadin is really mutar, lismoch, L'tzadid. Well, actually, the Gersalv here is L'smoch Arosha. Make Semicha the head of the animal. And therefore, Shma'mina Stadin Asurin. I repeat again. How do, you look, how do you classify the top of the head of the animal? That's called the sad, the side of the animal. It's not the main part of the animal. The main part of the animal is its back. You can't ride on the animal. That's using the animal per se. Now, I want to know. This gives it up using the animal. Yeah, but I was learning from this Mishnah, it doesn't only apply to the animal's back per se, it applies even to the sides. That you cannot use the sides. How do I know? Because the rabbis in the Mishnah forbade me to press my hands on the, on the head of the animal. Now if sides were permissible, 
Semicha should be no problem according to everybody. Elawaf, and the fact that there's opinions in the Mishnah say Asur Lesmoch, Shmat Minas Tadin Asurim. Good? Comes the Gemara says no. Comes the Gemara says no. I could really tell you, Stadin is mutar. But I'll tell you like this, the head is not Stadin. Because the head of the animal is on the same plane as the back. The back of the animal is the animal per se, right? Draw a straight line from the back of the animal, go straight across to his head. So therefore, head is considered like his back. And therefore, what is stadin? Stadin, I'll tell you, is the actual size of the animal. Stadin, I'll tell you, is mutal. Also, if stadin is mutal, how come I can't make semichan the, the head? Because the head is not considered stadin. Because whatever is on the same line as the top of the animal is considered gova. And therefore, it's not considered stadin. So if we have no ra'ayad that stadin is... Asur, I can really tell you Stadin Mutar, but the head is not considered Stadin. Look at Rashi. The head is on the same equal plane of the animal. The back of the animal, right? It's draw straight line, right? The back and the head is on the same level. It's not lower than the animal, the sides. So therefore, Stadin, I'll tell you Mutar. So why can't you do the head? Because that is not studying. That is the actual animal per se. So if you have no raya, so the first part of the Gemara thought to say from the fact that you're osering the head, that means studying is asurin because the head is studying. Gemara says no. Really, that is studying is mutar, and the head is not studying. That is the actual animal itself. I never got that. Studying is mutar.